Welcome to the Sports and Shit Podcast presented by Anchor. Your hosts each week are Maddie. But it burned. For me and her, it burned. There was a burning. And the multi-talented Smitty. There's worse ways to go than eating grilled cheese every day and having sex every day. If you like sports sprinkled in with a little bit of shit, then this podcast is for you. Now, here are your hosts, Maddie and Smitty. Welcome to the Sports and Shit Podcast. It is season two, episode 30, presented by Lops Brewing. And you can catch us on Twitter, Sports and Shit Pod, on Instagram, Sports Smitty, or on Facebook. Send us an email, sportsandshitpod at gmail.com. We have Ryan Spagnoli and Connor Ryan coming up in just a bit. But first, I am Maddie, and my co host is an expert in Thai Kwando Smitty. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Your feet are lethal weapons. <laughs> yeah, maybe from the smell. That's about, that's about it. Toxic. Or, or maybe from the from the fact that they hurt me 23 out of 24 hours a day. Literally, yeah. my feet hurt all the time. Do they? Yeah. What's the matter with them? You know, I have uh, plantar fasciitis. I do. In do both, you really? In both of my feet, I do. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. It, I, I hear it hurts like a bastard. It is very painful. Wow. Yeah, it hurts. What causes that? Uh, it's like a, it, there's like a tendon that runs from the front of your foot to the back of your foot that uh, gets inflamed or something. <laughs> that sounds Something painful. like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It it's hurts not like a good it, kind either. No, it hurts like a motherfucker. It wow. really does. Yeah. Wow. Basically, from the moment I wake up, my feet hurt, like, right away. Like, I get out really? of bed, my feet hurt. Jesus, you're kind of too young for that, aren't you? Well, probably. Wow, that's, that's, that yeah. is painful. You saw, the, you saw the Taekwondo, you said. I did. Like, I got blasted in the oh face my with a foot. God. Yeah. So, it, someone, someone today saw that, and they thought the guy was dead, literally dead. Wow. He said, is that guy dead? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was... It was like, it was, it was, I mean, it was funny because the guy was like, okay, but it was like a little, at the time it was a little bit scary. Right. I mean, it really was. Watching someone get knocked out is not a pleasant thing. It's kind of jars you a little bit. It does. And a lot of people like it. Yeah. Like that's why the MMA and the UFC, you know, they like that shit. I I don't know why you would like that. You're pretty maniacal if you like that shit. Yeah. I don't know. Like I I like a good boxing match though. I love boxing. Sure. Somebody gets knocked out. Yeah. But that that initial when they get hit and they're just legless, they just go. Yeah. Wow. That is, or even like an NFL player or a hockey player gets knocked out. Like when Nathan Horton got knocked out yeah. in the Stanley Cup Finals, yeah. like that's like ooh. Yeah. My first reaction is always cringe. It's not yeah. like it's not like oh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. look at that, yeah, yeah. Smash your face on hit the ground, him, hit him again. <laughs> oh, just see his head crack against the ice. Hit no, him, it's not. It's always down. like ooh, yeah. Like, ooh. Or like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like, like oh, Jesus, is yeah, he okay? Yeah. yeah. That's always like my first reaction die. is, is he okay? Like, <laughs> can he move his arms and legs? Yeah. That's that's really, I, especially because my son played hockey. So, like, right. my first reaction yeah. when someone gets hit like that is, can they, like, are they not paralyzed? Like, right, they, right, of course. Can they move their arms and legs? Because right. right. that actually happened to a kid when my son was playing. Got hit so bad. He was, he was motionless. He was motionless, and we oh. were like, my heart oh, just absolutely sunk. And of I was like, course. oh my God. Especially for a kid. Jesus. Yeah. He ended up being fine. So it was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, good. So the Taekwondo, uh, you won't be in that competition because your feet are already hurting you. 
They yeah. Like, so I probably would. I probably chin. would break my foot if I kicked yeah. somebody in the chin. Yeah. Like they would be. Their chin would be fine, and my right. foot would be broken. <laughs> they would move. They would yeah. My foot would hit their face and just shatter. Right. And they'd look at you like that was weak. And be like, I have plantar fasciitis, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like, leave me alone. It hurts like hell. Yeah. 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 Uh, I feel like I have needles jabbing into my heel at all times. That's get not off my back. Good at all. It's not good at all. Yeah. All right. So the news. Is brought to you by Lops Brewing. It's a brewing and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Visit www.lopsbrewing.com and follow Lops Brewing at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. So go ahead and do that. That'd be fun. Uh, the news this week. How about, have you ever seen a goose... You ever notice when a goose flies upside down? Have you? They fly. They fly upside down. Yeah, they, I guess occasionally a goose can fly upside down. Why would they do this? They're simply showing off. Experts. Say. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it for your viewing pleasure. Yeah, like a Top Gun when Maverick and Goose went went yeah. inverted. Maybe to, that's why he's called Goose. There you go. They went inverted so they could flip off the Russians. Remember that? That's right. They did the that's cockpit. Right. They turned the cockpit upside down so yeah. they could. They could, you know, give formulations, you know, the bird. The bird? Well, there you go. Maybe it's all sort of linked together. Yeah. Everybody's showing off. Yeah. Not much of a show off myself. Like, I'm not sure what I'm showing off. Yeah. You know, I don't really have anything to show off, so I, I, no, can't, I, I, I can't be a show off. I don't think anybody gives a shit what I have to show. No. Uh, hey, could bacon disappear in California? This is very this is very serious. That's disturbing to me. The states has the state has a new pig rule that's that's taking effect. Um that could really danger bacon as a whole. I guess. That makes me sad. It does. I mean there's a, there's you know, they're they're whatever. There's less pigs or I don't know. Or they're putting rules <laughs> putting rules affecting <laughs> the pig industry as a whole. Uh, California will begin in, in enforcing an animal aware welfare proposition approved overwhelmingly by viewers by voters in 2018 that requires more space for breeding pigs, egg laying chickens, and veal calves. National veal and egg producers are optimistic that they can meet the new standards, but only four percent of hog operations now comply with the new rules. I heard that you have a new business. Called Hog Operations, <laughs> Hog LLC. That's my, uh, that's my side job. That's my, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> operating hogs. Yeah, um, I, I I play with my hog on the side. Yeah, on the side. Yeah, it doesn't give you much. Not much of a money maker. Uh, no. Cal- California will lose. No. <laughs> California will lose almost all of its pork supply due to this. Much of which comes from Iowa, and pork producers will face higher costs. To, do you have you noticed lately the at the grocery I don't know how much you food shop but I do the grocery I grocery store like like food is going up. Like yeah. like the cost of food is like and even at restaurants like you can't get a a meal well, like an entree a, less than 20 bucks. Isn't anyway. there a fucking chicken wing shortage or something? There's a wing shortage, there's a bacon shortage, there's a fucking Should I start an OnlyFans where I play with my hog operations on the side? <laughs> Should I do that? Well we we did talk about the OnlyFans before. How much would you charge for your hog activity? 
<laughs> I mean, that's you'll have to like. Can you, do you have to do some focus groups? Like, do you <laughs> right. have to? I probably, I probably do. Okay, you probably should do that because uh, that could be make or break. Uh, yeah, for how much should I charge to for people to watch me pet my pig? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know how much they should ask you to pet your hog either. Uh, majority of Americans love to snack so much that they always have food on them. Americans are so snack happy that 7 in 10 have a treat with them at all times. According to a recent poll of 2,000 people, 69% admitted that they always bring some kind of snack with them when they're on the go. I don't really... I mean, I'll go to Dunks or whatever, but I don't really take a snack with me much to go in the car. I really don't. How do I think of it? No, I mean, I brought snacks with me if, you know, if I'm going to work or something like that, I'll bring snacks. You'll bring snacks for the car ride? Not for the car ride. Right. Like, I, I'm not going to hop in the car and do do some errands and bring snacks with me. No. I mean, I would, for a long car ride, obviously, I'll bring snacks, but I don't have snacks on me all the time. In fact, I don't. I have very few, very rarely do I have snacks on me. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't. So I don't know where this uh, 69%. So basically, so if we had one other friend, they wouldn't bring snacks, but then all of the rest of our friends would bring snacks. Would bring snacks, and I don't... Maybe they do. Do you think all the rest of our friends bring snacks around with if them? If they do, then I'm I'm share, sharing it with me. <laughs> like, I, you know, you need to share your snacks. What, what you're withholding? Snacks? How do I, I not know you're bringing snacks around? Here? <laughs> How do I not know that? I don't have snacks. No, you don't have snacks, <laughs> and I don't either. So that's two out of yeah. two. That's 100% that don't. Uh, <laughs> hey, National Boob Day was the other day. I, don't, I can't remember what day it was, but it was this past week. National Boob Day. Missed it. Everything's got it. I missed it, too. Like I, I found out like at 11 o'clock at night on that's some a, Twitter That's thing. a son of a bitch yeah, right I mean, there. Jesus, I mean, of all the fucking days. I know. How do I miss that one? Yeah, I saw that it was like... Saw this like a few years, like National High Five Day. Like, yeah. what the what are you fuck doing? are we doing? I mean, first of all, who decides these and how are they registered? Like, do, do you, I mean, right. we can't decide like it's National Sports and Shit Podcast Day. I think we should decide that. I mean, yeah, let's just put it on Twitter with a hashtag and then retweet when do we, it. When do we want it to be? Uh, let's, let's decide right yeah, now. Let's decide when that is. Should it be um, when we released our first episode? So sometime in June? Yeah. How about uh, June uh, June 7th? June 7th. Yeah. Okay. This is National Sports and Shit Podcast. Ladies day. and gentlemen, there new holiday. Yeah. So next June 7th, we're going to have National Sports and Shit Pod Day. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to hashtag it and, yeah. and you know, Hash- six people are going to realize it. Yeah. So that's good. And it'll be uh, fun. So there's a lot we don't know about the Evander Kane gambling allegations. The San Jose Shock Star has an impending investigation. He denies the allegations, but his wife or estranged wife mm-hmm. is saying that he gambles on hockey, gambles mm-hmm. on his own team, on his own games, on his own games, and it he was is, th- and 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 he was throwing he his was own throwing games, his own games, right. To win money in gambling. Right. So he was losing on purpose to win money in gambling. Do you think this type of shit happens more than we think? Probably. Sports? Probably. I think so, too. Like, I, when stuff like this happens, like, usually when there's smoke, this fire, she may be just mad and, and exaggerating and piling on with some stuff, but there's probably some truth to it. Now, I don't know if he's throwing games, but I'm sure he's gambling on his games. And I don't know if you can really throw a hockey game like that's kind of hard you know but he may try to do it 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is if you, like, turn the puck over and give it a breakaway. Right, just give it a breakaway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, and we'd have to go back and investigate his games and how he played and what he yeah. did and how many penalties he'd taken this game or mm-hmm. whatever. But Yeah, I mean, that's another that's thing. Hard. You could you could take a penalty take, and give, right. give the other team power plays. Right. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, but I do think it probably happens. Now, a lot of these guys make so much money that I don't know if they would really need to risk it all. To gamble on like years ago when they oh, didn't yeah. make as much money, right. absolutely, yeah. But but now where well, they make so much money, I mean, do you really have to risk making a hundred grand because you're throwing? I mean, Jesus, no, you no. make millions of dollars. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably not. Maybe it, maybe more like you know, fringe guys. Fringe guys could, you know, they could get. Well, if that's what happened with BC back in the late seventies when they had the the point shaving scandal. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they were throwing games and. Mm-hmm. The mafia was involved, and it was it's actually a really interesting story. They had a 30 for 30. 30 for 30. On yeah, it was excellent. It was really good, yeah. So do you like Flaming Hot Cheetos? Uh, kind of. Do you? Do you like the – see, I'm not a big, like, spicy Flaming Hot snack guy. Yeah, see, that's why I said kind no. of because, like – you want to throw regular Cheetos my way? Oh, for, I'm fucking all in. Oh, for God's sake. I love yes. regular Cheetos. Oh, sure. Love them. Eat the shit out of them. But Flaming Hot, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, would you like Flaming Hot Cheetos ice cream? Not in a million fucking years. Because evidently it's here. Flame, you know they had a mac and cheese ice cream someone did? What are we fucking With doing? The craft. The, 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 what are we the, doing? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Like, that shit doesn't go together. Right? No. It just doesn't go together. Marble Slab Creamery partnered with Frito-Lay to create a flaming hot Cheeto creamy, dreamy <laughs> concoction. Uh, maybe you can call that your own OnlyFans. can be creamy, dreamy, creamy. hog activity. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the hot Cheeto ice cream is out and about. Not for long, though. Limited edition. Get it while it's hot. Get it? Pun intended. Yeah, I'm not buying that ever no i'm not i'm not at all I'm and i love me some it. ice cream like i love i love ice cream. ice cream and i'll eat a cheeto all day long yep but i'm not combining them why no. would i do that no it's that reminds me of that show on uh the food network uh was it i don't know man, if it was, was man versus food no i don't know if it was chopped or whatever where they where they where they get like a a bag of ingredients and there's always like a weird oh fucking and you thing gotta you it. gotta incorporate you gotta, you, it yeah you're right yeah that's true and it's it would like, give you like yeah. something off the yeah. wall. It's like milk, Cheeto, flaming right. hot Cheetos. Right. You know, and you got to make something. something. And it's yeah. like, that's what they did with this. And it's like, oh, let's make flaming hot Cheeto ice right. cream. No. It was kind of, I think it was like guys grocery games, one of those where they just give you like five ingredients and one of them's like fucking lard or yeast yeah. or fucking, right. you know, something stupid. Yeah. And you had to incorporate it with marshmallow yeah. and something Terrible. Else. Yeah. Uh, hey, your, your poop could save lives. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Poop with Purpose is a stool donation program that's committed to the safe... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we're, we're, don't, we're, we're, we're donating, donating it. It's, donating it? It's, it this, to, this organization is who, committed... To whom? Why do, they, why do they want the poop? It's committed to the safe collection of stool from healthy individuals. Why do they want the shit? Now, let me, let me be honest with you. Healthy is the operative word here. Okay. <laughs> How healthy is your shit, do you think? I don't like healthy meaning like do you take like I'm regular a healthy shit do you yeah, I'm regular um you yeah I mean you know for the most part I mean I'll have some run-ins with with hot Cheeto ice cream and stuff <laughs> but uh 
you know, hog activity. <laughs> well, we see the potential in your stool, uh, the healthy microbes that could be used to further research, develop promising new treatments and potentially cure serious medical conditions. So the poop, I'm telling you, I think they're finding that poop drives the universe. <laughs> poop, could, poop could save lives. Your poop saves lives. So that's, uh, that's, that's out and about. So that's, I mean, that's good news, Would you I donate suppose. your poop? How would you collect that and then transmit it, transport it? Transmit it? Trans, 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 yeah, so uh, I would not. Is that like a window you go up to or is that like a... <laughs> It's like one of those. Is it like clink when you throw it in the? <laughs> it's a drive-through. <laughs> it's a drive-through. <laughs> Here's my bag of shit. You just hold your ass out the window. <laughs> You're right. This is this is fresh fresh poop. Fresh. Right here. Just this morning. Here it is. It's probably um, similar to a Chick Fil A drive-through. I would imagine. Yeah, because they have to have the people with iPads out there collecting <laughs> your poop. Right. Absolutely. Because I'm sure the line is long. Yeah. Out to the street. Yeah. What's more disturbing, that <laughs> of which we just spoke, <laughs> or doctors are having to warn women not to put wasp nests in their vaginas? Yeah. Uh, hoo ah. I'm in the hoo ah. Yeah, in the hoo ah. I'm thinking wasp nests in the vagina is more disturbing than poop yeah, collection. Than, than poop collection. I collect my poop all day long, I think. And not see a wasp nest in a vagina. So I would get paid for the poop collection, but you you're would. not getting paid. I don't think so. For wasps. And I'm allergic to bees. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't so want to get anywhere so near you, that. So you are out. I'm out. I'm out on the on the, the, the visual, why, the whole thing. Why on earth are they doing this? I don't, I mean, you know, apparently. Is it orgasm related? No, I don't, I don't think it's. Is there, a, is, is there, a, is there, it's, it's got to be, right? Well, it, it's got to be like a buzzing or like a, like a vibration. From I guess the, from there's the these crushed oak galls. Apparently have rejuvenating properties. So if you're wondering what an oak gall is, it's a nest that contains wasp eggs and larvae. Apparently, if you crush one down and stick it in your vagina, (laughs) it will restore the uterine wall after childbirth, heal, and also clean out the vagina. Okay. Uh, So there's no orgasms at all. So evidently, if you're without soap... (laughs) <laughs> or <laughs> so if you're a Mila Kunis, right? You've yeah, you haven't bathed. You haven't bathed, yeah. so you're just sticking a wasp. There's nest. no question she has oak galls in her vagina. In her hoo ha. The the vagina is a self cleaning organism. It doesn't need douche. It, it certainly doesn't need crushed wasp nests in it. <laughs> you can tighten your vagina if that's an issue with any outside substance, not least of which. Because the vagina expands and then contracts again. So the idea that you're going to get loose by having kids or too much sex or whatever is ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is. It's 100%. The whole thing. It's patently false. It, it is false. Oak galls do apparently have some medicinal properties, but not particularly in the vagina. So I think, I think, I think, that, we should, I think that we should further investigate the oak gall as a... As a, as a as a as a uh, as a real positive uh, resource, but I think also that we should avoid the vagina. <laughs> I think that they're they don't they are mutually exclusive. 
I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I have, no, is, I have, no, I have like, heard it all now. I have no idea what to say to that. I mean, if you're like on a I'm, dating site, do you have to put a disclaimer down if you're a guy? Like, if you use old calls in your vagina, I just can't date you. Like, <laughs> I would. I am allergic to bees. Like, stoned. <laughs> Like I can't go down there and have like a like a stray bee just fly out. Like you better crush that down, for God's sakes. Uh, well, stray. <laughs> stray vagina. Can you imagine that? You go, you go down, yeah, you go down, and down, all of a sudden, down, he's down. all you stung. Yeah, he gets stung right in the forehead, <laughs> like right between the eyes. Like wow. Right between the eyes. Not what I was expecting. No, I wasn't expecting a, a bee to fly out of your vagina. Uh, Rihanna uh, just became the second richest female entertainer on earth. She's now worth a cool $1.7 billion. Wow, good for her. Wow, I good mean. for her. Do you know how many, see, I don't even know. I couldn't even begin to guess like how many top 40 hits she has. I wouldn't even really know. I, mean, I could probably name three off the top of my head. I was going to say, I could probably name Umbrella. three. Umbrella. Uh, the, uh, the S&M song. Right. Um, right. And they, I had another one in my head before you said Umbrella. Right. Didn't she do New York with... Uh, did she do New York with... Uh, no, it was Beyonce, wasn't it? Jay-Z, that was Beyonce. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, of course, if I heard them, I'd know a few. But I don't even... I couldn't begin to guess how many top 40 hits... Quite a few, I would imagine. I mean, she's worth one point seven. Right. I mean, that's that. That is that is quite a few. Uh, So good for her. In 2015, a man from Manchester began spray painting large penises on potholes in order to get the city officials to fill them quicker. He was dubbed Wansky. I think this is Manchester, England. It is. Okay. Not Manchester, New Hampshire. But Wanksky, I think it is. Wanksky. Okay, like Wank, wanker, like wanker, yeah. wanksky. Yeah. So wanksky was spray painting large penises on potholes, and they do look like a penis. Like, so they would fill in the pothole and then bring the line, you know, the the shaft, the shaft up, the shaft up. Yeah. So that that was uh, creative. Um, I, I I mean, I would imagine it probably got got the attention. city, got the yeah. city, yeah, uh, got it moving. The, what is it? The who's what is it? What department is but that? The public works, right? Would that would be public, public works? works. Yeah, probably public works. Public right? works Street. was probably yeah, swearing and probably. probably. But hey, probably saying you know what word they were saying probably a lot because it's not. Little disclaimer: it's not as bad of a swear over there than it is here. Oh, is is the c word? It is. Yeah, it's not as bad over there. Yeah, they're probably saying that Wanksky. He's a. <laughs> That Wanksy, Wanksy, Wanksy. He's Wanksy. a c word. He is a c word. You know who else is a is a c word? Is this woman who sued McDonald's after her burger compelled her to break Lent fasting? She said that it was so good and yummy. She's now suing McDonald's for making such a product that would make her break the Lent fasting, which is no f- meat on Friday. Don't go to McDonald's don't, on Friday. Don't, I mean, why would, how would you win that lawsuit? Honestly. First of all, it's religious. You don't have to not eat meat. <laughs> and they don't have to, they're not compelled to not serve you the meat. So I don't even know where, where this would have legs. Like, I don't even know how you would, how would you even present this? And a, and a judge must just be like 
Seriously. Don't waste my time. He probably this. just said to her, get the fuck <laughs> out of my courtroom. Right. Get out. Right now. And go eat. Immediately. Go eat some bacon because yeah. there's a pig shortage in California. Uh, Britney Spears back at, back at it again. This poor girl. I mean, she's made hundreds of millions of dollars. And her father spent it all. Spent it all. And has not allowed her to do all sorts of different things. And her Did you sister, see how much money he was taking? <clears throat> was it? Didn't she have like... Didn't, isn't she worth like 380 million? Something ridiculous. Yeah, but he was taking like... T- for like himself, it was like $22,000 a month and then like another $2,000. So like $24,000 a month for himself for like doing the, the doing the job of like, yeah. yeah, being in charge of the money. Or keeper. Oh my God. I mean, and she, she can't, she can't go to fucking Starbucks or whatever, but, yeah, I know, but right. he's she taking can't get 20, cabinets. Yeah. But, but he's yeah. taking $24,000 wow. a month or that's, whatever that's it is. Incredible. Like, fuck you, dude. And what, what really? Free Britney. Another thing that really irritates me about this is her sister, who is no angel. No. She had a baby at like 16. Sure did. Yeah. So Jamie Spears alleges that the singer is mentally sick and needs psychiatric hold, like to be in a psych ward, yeah. essentially. Jamie Lynn Spears. And she has, a, yeah. she has a lot of nerve. She does have a lot of nerve. Because she is not going down a great path either. No. Do you remember uh, that show she was on? The Zoe, Disney Channel? Zoe 101. Zoe 101. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was Nickelodeon? I thought it was Disney Channel. Oh, was it Dicky Channel? Yeah, maybe it was. It was. It was not the Dicky Channel. It was the Disney Channel. It was a Dicky Channel, <laughs> right? Were you uh, eating dog activity in the? Uh, yeah, there was, there was there was pigs. Yeah, pigs flying. When yeah. pigs fly, if you are in line at the grocery store with a full cart and the people behind you have one or two items, do you let them go in front of you? I do. You're a swell human being. I did it the other day. You do you really? Yep. I was I was at well this wasn't actually at the grocery store but I do do I do it at the grocery store. I was actually at a restaurant, and a woman came up to the bar to order a drink, and I was there ordering a shitload of food and drinks. Okay. So I said, "You can go ahead." Really? And she's she was like, "No, you here first. I said, "No, I'm ordering a lot of stuff. Like you should yeah. go. You should go first. Yeah. It's gonna be a while." Right. And so she did. Oh, good. Well, yeah. good for you. That's nice. I yeah. mean, I, I guess I guess I would too. I mean, I I really haven't had that situation, but I guess I would too. Uh, it's always nice to uh, to do nice things to people. Yeah. Because you, know? you don't. You want to have some self awareness. Like I'm taking up a lot of time. Yeah. And this person behind me. Yeah. Is other not people's take any time other at people's all. time is valuable. Yeah. I feel like. Of course it is. That's that's one of my my biggest pet peeves is wasting time, like wasting time or having other people waste your waste time. Waste your time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so I guess more and more people are finding that are, are are bathing less and finding bathing to be less necessary at times. Because I guess there's a whole world of not bathing that is helpful for skin maintenance. We naturally clean ourselves. Yeah, so it says Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. But like. You naturally clean yourself? What are you, a cat? Like, this is like ridiculous. Can Jake no, Gyllenhaal? Can Jake Gyllenhaal lick his own balls? I mean, if he can, you know what? I'll tell you what. Those cats, they get in the dirty areas. They do. They do. And I, if, you know, and if I could, I probably wouldn't leave the house all that often. Uh, I don't know if I'm licking my own dirty no, balls. I mean, though. that's 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 a stretch. Plus, we don't have the same tongue that cats have. 
<laughs> they have that sandpapery thing going on. We have a more softer, supple tongue. <laughs> so that's not good. I mean, that's not conducive to uh, to getting in the dirty areas and actually having it be clean. No, is this going to be a thing, though, now? Because, like, this is a few celebrities now this who are like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bathe. I don't need to bathe. This is this is a thing. <laughs> I don't need to bathe now. This is 100 percent a thing. I think it's I mean, gonna it's be a thing. Gonna now. be a thing. It's gonna but be. A my thing. whole thing is that obviously soap is needed. Now look, I know that you don't have to wash your hair every day. There's there's certain proven things about that. Like yeah, the it oils does hurt are supposedly it does hurt your hair uh, if you yeah the oils supposedly it. are good for your hair right for your hair right. So I, there's some of that, but bathing. I mean, there's a whole soap industry out there that begs to differ. Yeah, you know? I mean, you you have to you have to bathe yourself. I mean, if I if I go like two days without bathing, I don't even want to. I can't even stand myself. No, like at all. If I go a day, if I go like more than a day, like if right, I especially yeah. in the summertime, yeah, like yeah. like the second day, yeah, I'll just go to do something. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah, you know, like smell. Smell your own pits. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Like, let's get in the shower. Yeah, it's, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. Clean it come, up. Come with me. Clean right it up. Shower. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't like this. I don't like this movement at all. No. You, we don't naturally clean ourselves. Who says that? No, like, your who? skin, your skin, like, will flake off or whatever after a while. But right. Like. You get that dead skin. Yeah. Whatever. The dead skin. But you yeah. still need to clean yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you. If you're regularly taking shit, which you should be, you should be um, at least once like, a day. Your ass, you should be cleaning your ass. Your ass should be cleaned. Yes, yes. Like Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, you mustn't have a not a clean. You know, muscle. Ashton Kutcher, yeah. Mila. Yeah. Like clean it up. Oh yeah, yeah. That's scary. Crying out loud. I, mean, I, I don't want to think. That of shouldn't be a thing. I don't want to think of her in that way. Uh, <laughs> you kind of do. A little I, bit. I, I do. A little bit dirty. <laughs> yeah, a little dirty. Yeah. Despite warnings, Indonesia is moving along with their $4.8 million Jurassic Park project where tourists will get to walk among killer Komodo dragons. They're taking our zoo. They They're are. taking our zoo. These motherfuckers. Oh, my God. We should have copyrighted. We should have. And all that stuff. We should have. What do you call it? Copyright and, and the other thing. We should have done that whole thing. Patented. Patented. And killer Komodo dragons is an yeah. excellent idea. God. Damn it. I know. I mean, that's... Stealing uh, our thunder. They, they did steal the thunder. Um, Can you imagine, though? That's I, a real... That's a, like, we're, that's a real thing. Like, we're kidding. Yeah, we're kidding. But, yeah, we're but this is a real thing. Like that's that, a real thing. That's a real thing. So you can go to Indonesia and get killed right. by a kimono dragon. And it's not the United States, folks. So if you're killed, you're probably dead, and that's it. Yeah. That's the end of the yeah. game. It, there's, it's, not, it's not like a, oh, no. this was fun. Hee hee. Let's right. swim with the dolphins. No, yeah, no, no. You'll no, be no, dead. No. Dead. Dead. There's no one liable. You're dead. Nope. Yeah, that's that's scary. They could me. give two shits about no, some American. First of all, I don't, I don't need to go to Indonesia. I mean, do you think at all, like, what would you do in Indonesia? What is there in Indonesia? Here's a, here's a question for you. I have a vague idea, but do you know where Indonesia is? <laughs> I didn't know where fucking Iowa was. I mean, we've, uh, we've, we've gone through the, Indonesia. you know, the geography things before. Indonesia, Asian? Uh, Asia? Yes. Okay. So that would be Indonesia. I'm going to guess South, Southwest Asia. 
I, I'm thinking you're right. Really? So I'm okay. thinking that's what I think too. It's like kind of down by down, Africa-ish, but well, no, no <laughs> the other side of Africa, right? So right, like right Japan, Australia, right, and down, down, down. Yeah, right. I think that's kind of where right. it is. If I yeah. had to guess, I think that's a series of islands. I believe Indonesia is. I think so. Okay, I don't know what attractions are there. If it's touristy or what that is. No. Well, Komodo dragons are there. Come, yeah. Uh, O.J. Simpson says he avoids Los Angeles because he might be sitting next to the real killer. I really don't know who did this. So I avoid sitting next to people. He avoids Los Angeles. O.J. Simpson <laughs> is, is really still out there thinking, boy, someone's out there who killed these people. He is delusional. He is. He is. He is really delusional. And I think there is some truth to the, if you speak it into existence, it is like, yes. I think he really believes he I didn't think, do I, it. You know, I think you're right. I really, I really do. Do you think he had like a psychotic break? He might've just blacked out and didn't know or something. I don't know. Or, or has no, said, he, he knows, I mean, he, he wrote, said to he, himself so much that he didn't, right. That he may even that he believe believes he it now. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. Cray cray. I mean, he's, he's a nutbag. He really he is. is. He is. He is. He's a fool. He is a fool. <laughs> he is a fool. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to come back with uh, Ryan Spagnoli and Connor Ryan. We're going to talk Patriots and Bruins. And I'm going to do some love advice later. Right after this. Not commercial. <laughs> no commercial. <laughs> Just interviews and no. then love advice. Yeah, this is a commercial free episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So here, here is Spags and Connor Ryan. We are joined again this week by Ryan Spagnoli and Spags is with Pat's Pulpit. And Spags joins us now. He's been at camp. Spags, you've, you're at camp. It's been your, your first go of it. How has it been? It's been cool, man. Uh, obviously, I work a nine to five just like everybody else. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of stocked up some vacation time, hoping this would kind of come into fruition. And uh, yeah, I was down there. I've been down there really since every day since Wednesday. I'll be down there tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, for the first day of Pat's. And then uh, back to work for me. So I'll kind of be poking in, uh, you know, here and there, maybe scoot out on a Friday and, and mainly on the weekend. But uh, it's been a pretty cool experience, man. I mean, I've never kind of got that aspect of it. I got to meet some cool people. So certainly a dream come true and uh, happy to kind of be down there every day and, and kind of see, you know, how everything works. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so the biggest story, obviously, is a quarterback position. Cam Newton, Mac Jones, it seems as though each day one is a little bit better than the other and going back and forth and. Bill Belichick has obviously been very loyal to Cam Newton, but he said recently that it would be a hard decision. Do you think there's any way that Mac Jones is the starter in the beginning of the year? I really don't. I think Cam's really going to have to lose this job, and Mac Jones is really going to have to win it and win it by a landslide. Uh, I just don't think Bill trusts rookie quarterbacks well. Mm -hmm. uh, you see his record. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it seems like every year when they're playing a rookie quarterback, that insane stat comes up. Um, so he knows that, right? He knows the success he's had against it. Also, too, Mac Jones, I think the last time we talked to you was after the draft. Uh, he's an investment. He's a five-year investment. You don't want to rush him. You don't want to put too much on his plate too early on in his career. Put him in there when he's not ready and have things kind of blow up in his face. I don't think that would happen just because there's such a structure there. And, and he's pro-ready as is. I just, I don't think. I think this team is built around Cam Newton. I think Mac's going to really learn this year. Uh, and I think down the road, you know, maybe week eight, week nine, if things aren't going as planned and Mac is still progressing really well, 
they'll make the poll there quicker than they obviously did last year with Jared Stidham. Um, so I don't think week one, I think that's Cam Newton's job. I think it'll be his job to lose for the foreseeable future. But it has been promising to see Mac really look this good just five days into camp. I mean, he's a rookie. He was drafted six months ago, four months ago. And he looks like a, you know, a, like he's been in the league for two, three years. So I think that speaks volumes to, you know, how ready he was and, and you know, really how good he can be. Right. And we see some mixed reports about Cam Newton and his performance in the camp. You know, you'll see, of course, Twitter can really swerve and, and, and twist things around. But, you know, we've seen some of the old Cam and some promising things from Cam. What have you seen from Cam? Is he, you know, does he look better? Does he look like he's he's prepared to have a better go of it this season? I think so. I, I think the shoulder looks healthy. He's put so, a lot of mustard on the ball. Particularly, they've, they've been working in the low red zone. He's thrown some balls that, like I said, some mustard on him. His shoulder looks healthy. He looks better. He looks more comfortable. Uh, obviously, the players around him are helping him succeed a little bit more. So I think given how healthy he is coming into the year, I think you'll ultimately get a better Cam Newton product on the field than you did last year. But yeah, I think, like I said, I think he, he, he looks really good. He looks healthy finally. So I think they're going to win some games with you know, whoever starts. Now, my only concern is that, you know, Mac Jones is the new shiny toy and and there was a problem last year with Cam Newton underperforming and the team had their you know worst year in years. And I think that the fans will be a little restless if they see Cam, you know, still skipping balls, missing intermediate throws, you know, timing being off and and putting it under his arm and running when when he should be staying with the receiver and that type of thing. So, you know, how, how much of that aggravation could change things or even affect Cam? I don't think anything affects him. I, I, you know, I had the chance to meet him and, and speak to him on Friday. He's a true professional, man, super genuine guy. Uh, I don't think really anything gets to him. As far as the fans, I, I don't think it can be much worse than last year. Obviously, there was no one in the building, but people were calling from Jared Stidham, it felt like, since week two. Right. And he was a fourth-round pick, a second-year guy. This is a first-round pick behind him. Uh, the one thing with Cam, and he's really never had it a part of his game, he struggles in the intermediate game, like you said. The, the main thing, he's really just got no touch, right? Like, you said, you see Mac Jones throw a deep ball. You see Mac Jones lead a receiver. You see him fit it into tight spots. It just looks pretty. It comes right. out. He's three-step drop, bang, the ball's out. He runs the offense, I think, the way McDaniels envisions it and the way they've ran it, really, with Brady. You watch Mac Jones, and he doesn't, he doesn't look like Brady because he's a lot smaller and you know, they don't throw the same way, but some of the things he does in the pocket and the, the ability to kind of make things happen in there where things kind of go, don't go as planned. He's on time with his throws. He's accurate. He's, his ball placement is great down the field. That's something Cam struggles with. But like I said, I think with the players around him and, you know, his overall fit in the system, being here for a year, it should get better. He should have more of an understanding. He's been in the building now for a spring and summer. There's really no excuses for him not to succeed. Uh, but like I said, I think ultimately he will. Now, the receiving core is a group that really is contingent on the success of either quarterback. And Nelson Aguilar seems to have some glowing, you know, glowing response on his play. Dante Hightower just talked about him on Sirius XM about how Aguilar has been around all offseason and, and really getting familiar with the playbook and so forth. And, and there's been some really good reviews about him. As, you know, how, how has the receiving core progressed and how do they look with either quarterback? They look good. I think Nelson Aguilar, in my opinion, as far as last week, when he was the best player in the field, most consistent guy, uh, they haven't had a separator down the field really since Brandon Cooks. 
Now, I don't know if they'll play him in that role in that role just because I don't know if he has the speed, but he's somebody that can separate, be a downfield threat outside the numbers and make plays on the ball. He made a couple highlight reel plays, one he kind of fought back for, took it over the defensive back's head, caught a touchdown pass from he, he was living in the end zone last week, making highlight reel catches. Uh, he's a consistent separator down the field. I think that's something that this offense lacked. They were so one-dimensional, where you have a guy like Aguilar that can help stretch the field a little bit. You have the two tight ends in the middle. It's really going to open up the intermediate game for Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. So, yeah, I, I think that signing was a slam dunk so far. Obviously, the pads haven't come on. That's tomorrow morning. But Aguilar looks like, you know, he was worth the money and, and you know, certainly figured out the drops thing. Like I said, he's got the speed and the route running ability to separate on the outside. It's just can he tie it all together, and he looks like he has so far. Yeah, you know, I and I really am anxious to see Damian Harris with a full season behind this good offensive line and with a new receiving core and tight ends. And I really think he could have a bust out year. He's a tough runner. He's a the type of runner I think that they like and Belichick likes. And what have you seen from Harris at camp? Uh, he looks bigger. If, if yeah. you can imagine that lower yeah. half, he certainly put on some weight. That's a guy, like you said, that Belichick loves. He can run in between the tackles, can run outside. He's quick. He's fast. He's good on his feet. like to see him catch the ball a little bit. You know, they obviously worked him in, you know, on the check down game a little bit. All the running backs have really caught passes. But uh, he caught some balls for Alabama. He was a receiving threat there. So if they can kind of factor that into his game, it makes him that much more, you know, reliable and, and dangerous uh, offensively. So, yeah, I think, I think Harris has some injury concerns, kind of that position and the style of runner he is. Uh, but that's a guy that I think is, is poised for a thousand yards. I mean, we saw last year he was PFF's, I think, fourth ranked running back all year. Uh, mm. So that guy with a full season under his belt and a more balanced offensive attack, uh, it could be a big year for Damian Harris. Now, I've been, I've been surprised with the Stephon Gilmore situation. He came back into camp. I, I thought maybe he'd stay out a little longer and, and maybe wait this out and, and come up with a contract. I really believe that Belichick wants to have the best possible defense he can, especially for week four, because I think that with J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, it's excellent cornerback pair. Uh, their defense seems to be deeper. Matt Judon, you know, adds a pass rush. You know, how good can this defense be? Yeah, on on Gilmore, he's been working out on kind of the, the hidden field on the left, uh, the conditioning field with Winovich and guys that are on the pup list. Uh, he's here, so he doesn't get fined, quoting Marshawn Lynch. But if he held out and didn't show up at 50K a day, he's right. obviously not going to pay that. He's obviously coming off the quad surgery. No one really knows, other than the people in the building, how serious that is. Uh, he looks good from a distance. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a mix of a holdout slash I'm not 100% ready to come back yet and why risk it. Uh, but as far as him, they got a big decision to make. Both him and J.C. Jackson are free agents at the end of the year. Um, so are they going to fork that money over? Who knows? Gilmore would have to. He could sit out till week eight. If he sits out the whole year, he doesn't get a paycheck. So I, I think it's it's a kind of a game of cat and mouse. I'm not sure how this goes. I think ultimately they, they'd like to have him this year, like you said, just because I think there's such a better defense with him on the field. But I think it's, it's just truly going to come down to a numbers game. Anybody surprise you in camp? Anybody stood up with sort of under the radar, maybe have a bigger impact than you thought? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Nelson Aguilar for sure. Uh, one guy I thought that looks that has looked good, and, and it's kind of a surprise. He kind of fizzled out in a good first couple of days, but I thought Nikhil Harry looked. He looks slimmer. He looks a little bit quicker. I thought he was the best receiver on the field on, on the first day. Uh, but kind of like his career, you know, he'll string two good practices together, and then you'll watch him in, in practice, and you won't even realize he's out there till you know there's 15 minutes left. So right. I think Harry looks right. a little bit slimmer, quicker. Another guy, Sony Michelle, looks healthier. This is the first year he hasn't started 
through a training camp on the pup list. He looks a little bit quicker. Um, looks like he slimmed down a bit. So really those two guys. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Raekwon McMillan, Belichick spoke about him today, uh, raved about this character, his work ethic. Uh, he's a guy that's constantly communicating. You can hear him all day when you're down at practice. Uh, I think that's an under-the-radar type signing for the Patriots. Cheap money. You can kind of, you know, sub in in certain packages, play in the middle of their defense, and contribute on special teams. Yeah. One concern for me is the kicker situation. It seems as though, and, and Belichick is someone who really feels strongly about special teams, and I'm I'm still surprised on how he's handled this over the last couple of years. And Nick Folk, I read today, you know, is, is hasn't been great, missing some 40 to 50 yarders, some of them short. You know, it just doesn't seem to really be a real stable position there, and it and it could hurt later. Is what have you seen from Folk? They haven't done much special teams work. Uh, they're kind of kicking off to the side when they're doing 11 on 11. So you kind of have to have, you know, looking back and forth between the fields. Yeah. I haven't seen too much. Obviously, you know, his age situation. They have Quinn Norton in who's an undrafted free agent. I think that's kind of their kicker of the future, I guess, they, they feel. Okay. Uh, I'd be interested to see what they do. I think that's a guy who will come up limping in the third preseason game and they'll hide him on IR practice squad him for the year uh and it'll be folks job i mean nick folk had a really good year last year i think he was one of the bright spots uh i guess you could call him offensively last year one of really the few uh so it's certainly his job to, to lose but we'll obviously see more action in the uh in the preseason games and kind of as these joint practices go on when you get some real game action now as the schedule goes on this year I was just looking through it. They have a lot of young quarterbacks on the schedule. They have some, you know, like the Texans, who knows who will play quarterback there. There's some, you know, Dak Prescott's coming back. So there seems to be some favorable matchups there as far as quarterbacks go. Not a lot of real, you know, great ones. You have Trevor Lawrence, uh, he'll be in his first season. God knows by the end of the year where, where he'll be or that team will be. But it seems to be favorable in something where I think the coaching and Belichick, like you said earlier, and how he does really well against young quarterbacks, I think that's favorable for the team. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, they got Zach Wilson twice, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, like you said, Houston. I'm yeah, just kind of going off the times. top of my head. Yeah, two or two, yeah, two yeah. twice. So, yeah, I think it's favorable matchups. I mean, their schedule is relatively easy, I think. Mm. It's the first time they haven't played a first-place schedule in, what, 15 years? Right. Uh, certainly have some winnable games. Uh, they they kind of have – the first eight games are kind of cupcake besides the, the Bucks, uh, all right. winnable games. And then I think they have a kind of a tough stretch uh, in that December range, kind of right around the bye with, you know, going to L.A. And, and they got, right. uh, you know, Jacksonville, Buffalo – you know, right. some tough games down the stretch. So yeah. it'll be a week-to-week -week kind of thing. But, yeah, like you said, their, their schedule is certainly favorable for a team that, that's probably going to rely heavily on their defense. So what do you – your prediction, I guess, what what do you see for the team? Obviously, it's early and there could be injuries early. There always are. But uh, how many games do they win? Are they in the division hunt? Do they win the division? Yeah, I, I think they're right in it with the division. I mean, the, the Bills had a phenomenal year last year, but it's so hard to kind of sustain success in this league. We saw it. That's what makes the Patriots, you know, dominance for so long that much more impressive. Uh, I do think they're a double-digit team. I'd say around 10-7, and seven, you know, maybe a ceiling of 11-6. and six. Mm -hmm. I do think they'll compete for the division. I think Buffalo and, and Miami, certainly a team on the rise. They got some weapons offensively, but I think it relies heavily on how Tua plays. Uh, I don't think the Jets are too much of a threat. So I think, you know, they'll be battling it out for the division really up, up until the end of the year. And I, I think they can sneak in as a wild card team. Like I said, I took them over in Vegas, nine and a half. I think that's nice. a safe bet. I think that seems a double digit team. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm doing it too. I'm putting all my money. I'm putting yeah. my mortgage on it. There all right, Spags. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us again. And we'll have you on during the season sometime. We'll hook up. Sounds good, Matt. Hit me up anytime. You know I'm always down.
We are joined by Connor Ryan from the Boston Sports Journal again on the podcast. Connor, good to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing, doing great. And uh, not doing so great after David Krejci left the Boston Bruins. That was a departure that I thought was probably a year early, in my opinion. I thought he was coming back one more year. And especially when management was, again, one more year buying into this, this core. And it sort of went against what their plan was. Were you surprised that Krejci left this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of just the timing for it. And it wouldn't have surprised me in, you know, another year or two if he decided to go back to the Czech Republic. because He has kind of mapped out that plan for a while now. But when you just look at the timing and the window this team has, you know, if let's say David Critchie came back this year and you went forward and, you know, let the cards kind of fall where they where they may. And going into next year where Bergeron's a free agent and you had a little bit more uncertainty there, would have made perfect sense. Now you're in this kind of no man's land that no team wants to be in really, right? Where going into this offseason, we expected the Bruins to contend. We expected them to kind of go all in and try to, you know, make one last run with this core in place. And now you're kind of stuck in this weird window where it's like, all right, they're still in this win now window. They still, you know, added, loaded up on depth, getting other guys into the mix that should help this team. But now you've got this humongous vacancy at 2C where you're probably looking at, you know, internal competition there to kind of fill that that void. But, uh, you know, it's not any exaggeration to say that it's going to be, you know, awfully tough to find, you know, one player that's going to kind of step into David Krejci's shoes and, and not only get that, you know, production, but especially at that value of what he brought. I mean, if he came back, you're looking at one year, your deal for four and a half million, right? Like you, you considering what he would have brought you, it's kind of ironic when you look at it, right? The fact that for years now, the Bruins have been looking for, you know, wingers to put next to David Krejci in that second line. Finally, you got Taylor Hall back in the fold. You've got Craig Smith, who I think exceeded expectations, and now you just don't have a center. So it's like now you're kind of back to square run, right? Where you've got a lot of talent to surround a center to drive that line, but you don't really know who's going to be the guy in the middle right now, right? Speaking of that, what do you what do you think they do there? I mean, they brought all kinds of depth guys in, like you said. You know, is it going to be Studnika? Is it going to be you know Halla, Felino? You would have thought that maybe they would use DeBrusque as a chip to get that left uh, that left shot D that they've been looking for, but maybe now that has to be for two uh, C instead. So, how do you think they do kind of fill that void? Yeah, it's going to be tough because it's unfortunate, too, because you looked at this this whole offseason and after they signed all these guys on Wednesday, um, you kind of looked at the big picture and you're like, all right, I kind of like what they did. I think there's still a few more you know, dominoes that have to fall where I think we expected David Krejci would be back. And then if you have David Krejci back in the fold and Jake DeBrus is expendable, maybe you trade him, as you said, for a you know, top pairing you know, defenseman or even just anyone who kind of slots into a top four role. Now you're kind of stuck in this window where you don't really know what to make of, you know, the assets you have. Like Jake DeBrus could still get moved and, you know, a guy that's been tossed out there is like a Christian Dvorak, who's intriguing, but he's also a guy that you kind of look at the numbers and, you know, he had a good little run when he was with Taylor Hall in Arizona, but he's not exactly a guy that if you trade for him, right, that I think you're like, all right, we got this guy who's penciled in for 60 plus points. Like maybe it works out, you know, you put him with Taylor Hall again and maybe, you know, you get that chemistry that, you know, creates you able to get with Hall and Smith over the span of a few months, but it's not nearly a sure bet, right? You're still kind of hoping it's a situation that works out. And when you're in this kind of win now window, it's tough to kind of chart out what the right course is, right? Do you go and go into the season with 
coil there and you see how they do and you know does Tanika fit into that role I think at this point you're probably looking at more of they opt for the the safer route and they go into the air with let's say we'll put coil at 2c maybe it's Howla, maybe it's Felino, maybe it's Tanika on the third line now is that the best option no like it's you know you're going into this win now window where you kind of have all your chips on the table with a couple of humongous question marks in terms of what these guys are going to bring because even if Charlie Coyle bounces back, which I think we all imagine he he should be, at least compared to what he was last year. You know, what is a prime Charlie Coyle on the second line still going to get you? Not what David Krejci got you. So it, it's it's tough to, like, carve out or, or, you know, spit shine, like, a positive outlook on, like, the Krejci situation. You know, you have to call it what it is. It's a, a major setback in a, a window that doesn't have a lot of margin forever. But I think if you ask me, you know, what the overall first option is going to be, it's going to be that internal competition. And, you know, I think maybe the best, case scenario is a guy like Stanika steps in. I don't think he's going to get that job out of camp, but that would probably be the best case scenario out of, you know, any of these situations because if Coyle's at 2C, you got to find someone else that drives that third line, which should be better than last year, but you need a guy in the middle. Maybe, what, three, four seasons ago, we heard about all these prospects they had and Ryan Donato's and the Zach Seneshans and, you know, all, all of these guys that they were really pumping as the future and so forth and i think really think one of the problems is is that they haven't been able to fill the third and fourth you know the bottom six forward positions with homegrown talent i mean trent frederick is a borderline guy now and that's really all you kind of have left you know unless that nika showed you something so i think that that really hurt they had to go spend money on third and fourth line guys because they couldn't organizationally fill those needs and i think that that's really hurting them now because the, this window here it could have been a much more positive outlook if they had some homegrown talent. They, they did fairly well defensively, but as an offense with, with that bottom six, they just had to go out and get three guys that play, you know, bottom six minutes and, you know, and, and they don't really have an organizational depth there to, you know, to fill spots with, with low cost prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even you want to look at Jake DeBrusque and, you know, maybe even if the expectations weren't that Jake DeBrusque was a, a 30 goal scorer, I think at this point, if he was a consistent 20 goal guy and you got the same effort from him every day, you'd be happy with it. Like, I think, as you said, it's not like the Bruins have to hit a home run on every single draft selection. These guys are all going to be top six guys. But if these are guys that are slotted into bottom six roles, you want them to be effective. You know, Trent Frederick, as much as I think, you know, Bruins fans enjoy him because he's more than happy to drop the gloves and agitate players. He's also needs to bring a little more offensively. Like you ideally want him to be a guy that you have in there for 82 games and he can get you, you know, we're not asking for much, like 10 goals, 20 points. Like even that in a fourth line role is what you need. And I, you know, look at a team like the Tampa Bay lightning who obviously have done a great job, you know, drafting guys who end up being superstars. Like, point in Kucherov, but look at it's, it feels like every year people uh you, you look at that Tampa Bay team and they bring up you know Matthew Joseph or Ross Colton and these guys and you're like who are these dudes and that you you plug you plug them in the lineup and they're bottom six guys that do their job and Colton scores I think I think he scored the technically game-winning goal in their clinching game of the cup final like that's that's what you need guys that you can plug in there and just do their job and fit into what you're looking for and you're just not getting that with the Bruins and whether that's the you know indictment on their drafting or not giving these guys enough of an opportunity to cough out a role like I look at Sanika and as much as I think he did underwhelm last year and you know he still needed to add some you know healthy weight to kind of adjust to the nhl 
it's not going to do him any good if, you know, he's on the outside looking in and his only way to break into the lineup is, you know, getting nine minutes and then the fourth line, right. Which is kind of what he was in last year. So it's, it's kind of a, a perfect storm in terms of how they're been unable to develop players, but also, you know, identify, you know, set roles for these guys, because again, that's not to say that, oh, Hey, if you put Jackson, at third line center all of last year, he'd be a 40 point guy. Like you need the player to produce as well. But I think you look at this upcoming year, when you look at a guy like Sunika, that's what you have to do is identify a set role for him and kind of stick with it because these young players, you know, they, they go through these kind of ups and downs and they hit walls, but if they're able to break through it, then you could have a productive player. And that's all the Bruins are looking for here, right? You don't need a top six winger at this point. You don't need a guy who's going to score 30 goals for you. You just need guys that can plug into the lineup and complement the established veteran core that you've had in place for a decade plus now. Speaking of uh, developing players, uh, development camp is going on now. So you've gotten a chance to to look at some of their uh, recent draft picks and some uh, invitees. Uh, what do you make of uh, some of the some of the guys there? Who's who stood out to you? I know uh, their first round pick, Mason Lowry, had a great season in the USHL uh, last year. Uh, how has he looked specifically, and and maybe some of the other guys? Yeah, no, he's definitely uh, he's very a very intriguing prospect, especially you just look at him and he's obviously, you know, six, four defenseman needs to put on some weight. Cause he's very, very lanky out there, but uh, very offensively gifted. I think he, uh, he was a forward for most of his life. And then I think around 16, 17, maybe I think it was 16. He, he switched permanently to defenseman and he had a, thankfully had a, a big growth spurt during that time. So it kind of worked out well that he's kind of this offensive minded defenseman, but he's got the frame that you'd think he's, you know, a, a top pairing, you know, all, round guy and yeah his numbers they're impressed with what he did in the ushl granted as an overage guy in that league you know it's not to be expected but the numbers he put together it helps that he's also you know burying 16 17 year old kids in the ushl it helps out quite a bit so i think the biggest test for him in terms of gauging you know his career and how far he needs to develop is how he does his upcoming year at ohio state because usually that's when you see a lot of these guys either run with the opportunity or they hit a wall going from juniors ushl up to the college ranks but he's very very interesting player um a lot of crisp passing we'll see how his shot develops but he's definitely got to keep tabs on as as i think you said their defense is said a lot more than their forwards in terms of guys that you can at least map out and be excited about. So he's one guy. Brady Lyle, I think, is a, a player. He's another defenseman they have who um, has seen his stock really rise through the system over the span of a year. I mean, he played, you know, five years in the OHL, wasn't drafted, even though I think, like, the central scouting had him, like, the 48th overall skater amongst North American uh, players in his draft year. Got passed over. Don't really know what that was about, because usually at that point you'd think you take a flyer on a guy in the seventh round but it wasn't the case but Bruins signed him after he was on the OHL played you know one year in Providence last year uh seven goals in 25 games um another big body six three right shot guy um as much as his you know frame kind of like Lori where you think he's maybe an all-around defenseman definitely more of an offensively gifted guy has to kind of work out some of the the finer details of his game but he's a guy I wouldn't put past though in terms of guys that are knocking on the door you kind of look at the the Bruins decor on that right side especially now in the a depth role you've got Clifton there but after that really not much else so I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Lyle really kind of pushes for that job in training camp because it seems like the Bruins are 
especially kind of surprised that every opportunity he's had, he's kind of run with it so far. So he's a guy that I think could really kind of rise up the rankings. But I think those two guys have been the most impressive guys so far. And then it's, again, maybe more of an indictment about the the state of the Bruins, you know, prospect system. But a lot of other guys that have looked very good are like camp invites who like aren't with the team. So you've got <laughs> guys that maybe they sign in a year or two. But after that, like, you know, Johnny Beecher's in a red, a red sweater because he's coming off a of shoulder surgery. But you hope he has a bounce back year with Fabian Lysel, the guy they just drafted in the first round, not participating in camp kind of loses a little bit of its luster in terms of, you know, the, the high end forwards that I think fans get really excited to see because dev camp's always the best when like, you know, when pasta was there and you saw what he was doing where fans would be like, I got this guy 25th overall, this guy could be something. <laughs> so not to say Lysel is that kind of player, but he's a guy that get a few highlight reels of him, you know, dangling some guys in dev camp at, it gets the fans excited, which the Bruins need. They need they need high-end skill injected into this prospect pool. Now, you mentioned Beecher, and he had, he had sort of a lost season with a shoulder injury, and he wants to go back to Michigan. And, you know, what does the organization, what can, you know, what are they expecting from him? His progress was stalled. So is he, you know, is it more of a long shot for him now? Are we looking down the road two or three years and saying, you know what, that was kind of a bust for a strong pick, unfortunate, but it was. Or is this guy going to be somebody, you know, maybe three, four seasons down the road, and we say, okay. That was a decent pick. Yeah, it's kind of tough to chat out what exactly his ceiling is. I think it probably frustrates Bruins fans because I think he's kind of cut from the same cloth as a guy like Frederick where it's, you know, I think it's very easy to map out what his floor is up in the NHL, but what is his ceiling? Then it gets a little dicey, right? Because I think um, there's a lot of tools that, make Beecher a very appealing player, especially in the NHL, where he's a fantastic skater, even, you know, even though he's been limited with a shoulder surgery, still has wheels out there. He's still probably the best skater in their prospect pool right now. Plays a very physical game, big bodied, um, which you imagine once he gets out of college and gets up to, you know, the pro game, whether that's in Providence or in Boston, where, I mean, he's going to be a pain in the ass to play against uh, on the four check. It's, I think the biggest question mark for him is just what is his ceiling offensively? Because I think right now it's you know in terms of maybe tempering expectations I think you have to go into it expecting him to if all goes well him being a very very good like middle six to third line guy like I think his ceiling is what you'd want like a Blake Coleman to be which is a great skater great effort very effective on the forecheck puck retrieval a little bit of nasty to his game and gives you 15 goals, 20 goals, 40, 45 points. And if, you know, that's a first round pick, you can kind of debate the merit of that, of whether he's worth that and where he was available. But in terms of what his role would be on the team, you know, we'll see how it is a couple of years from now where maybe you hope that he'd be a top six guy. But if he's a, a piece of this team that you can pencil in as in a middle six spot, you know, if he becomes a Coleman, then I think you have to be happy with what his role would be. Because as Billy Coleman kind of showed with Tampa Bay and as, you know, you saw what money he just got on the open market, like there's a lot of teams that value what a guy like that can bring. It's just questioning whether or not that offense will translate over because he could be a Blake Coleman or he could be a Nolachari, right? Like that that's kind of how it can go where, I mean, Achari had that one breakout year with Florida, but there's still a, a, you know, a sizable margin in terms of what you can go into the expecting out of, you know, a player offensively between a Blake Coleman and a Nolachari. So it's, I think this upcoming year is going to be huge for him, obviously. That's, you know, the understatement of the century, but if he's able to stay healthy, play his game, he's going to be on a, a loaded Michigan squad. So, I mean, he doesn't even have to be the the driver of a line to rack up points, which sometimes 
that just helps the confidence of, you know, even if you're getting a lot of secondary assists, if you're, you know, stuff in the stat sheet, that's enough to kind of right. build you a little bit of momentum, which he didn't have last year. So it could be a huge year for him. But in terms of what his projections are, yeah, it, it can vary quite a bit, which uh, I'm sure the Bruins would love it to be more of a, a Blake Coleman comp than, uh, you know, a fourth line energy guy at this point. Yeah, the Achari comparison was not comforting. Don. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. No, but hey, you know, hey, he had that. He had that he one year we scored a couple of goals in Florida, right? <laughs> yeah. Good fourth line. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth it. And everybody thought, why did we get rid of him? And then yep. now he's yeah, nothing. Are the Bruins as currently constituted? Are they contenders? Tampa. I mean, they lost a couple guys, but they, you know, they reload through, you know, getting veteran free, you know, free agents to come and play for the minimum. You know, Montreal obviously uh, went to the cup finals. Everybody, it seems, in the East got a little bit better. I mean, the Bruins added, and, and their bottom six is definitely better. But, like, you know, there's still that hole at uh, top four lefty and, and second line center. So as they, as they are currently constituted, are they a contender? Uh, I think they're a playoff team contender. I think you need either a miraculous trade to go down where uh, the Bruins have like blackmail against the Sabres and you get Jack Eichel for nothing or or even not even Eichel, but a legitimate other top six replacement or you trade for like a Matias Ekholm to really shore up the defense and said, I think there's still one big piece that needs to be filled. And even then, can this team, you know, be at the level it was last year, maybe better? Maybe like it's one of those ones where they're, I, I can't, frame an argument right now where on paper this team is better than it was last year and last year also wasn't good enough to get past the second round so you look at this way this team is built and yes they got better in uh, quite a few areas I mean the bottom six should be better you know we'll see how you know will McAvoy take another big step forward this year will Pasternak you know uh, you know take another big step where he's finally has a full healthy offseason will Grizzly be better will Riley with a full year be good um, but you also have so many question marks for things that you need to go right like Charlie Coyle needs to be healthy and he needs to drive that second line like he's got help he's got Taylor Hall and Craig Smith with him but it's no guarantee is Jackson Ika going to be a guy that, you know, finishes the year with, you know, 20 games played and one assist? Or is he going to be an 82-game, you know, 40-point guy that they hope he could be in a third-line role? Like, you have to have a whole lot go your way. Is is Jeremy Swayman going to contend for the Calder and be lights out? Is uh, Linus Olmark, who I think the Bruins are very, very high on, but is he going to be the guy that they think he is? Of, you know, is he going to put up those numbers that he put up last year in front of a dreadful Buffalo team. So you can map out a scenario where maybe this team still has one more run left in it, but man, you kind of go through the factors and it's not like for a contender, like let's say Tampa Bay, where, you know, they still obviously have lost a lot of depth. They lost their whole third line, but you kind of look at their list. It's like, well, we still have Andre Vasilevsky, right? Well, if he's healthy and Kucherov's healthy, yeah, we're, we're going to be right in the mix again. Like you look at the Bruins and it's like 10 different things you have to check off, right? That have to work in your favor. And as I think we're all well aware of, you know, going into a, a season, expecting everything to go right in a game like hockey, then you know, you're asking quite a bit there. There's a whole lot that can go wrong in a short span of time. As we saw last week where I think everyone thought David Krejci was going to be back and now we're stuck looking at who the 2C is going to be in a win-now window. So things can change uh, in a hurry. You know, Jeremy Lozon was lost, obviously, in the expansion draft. I still see the problem with, even though they brought forward in, it's kind of a replacement and an upgrade for Kevin Miller. But I, I still see the same sort of issues with not being super heavy. They bring Mike Riley back, who's a pretty good puck mover and showed some flashes, but, you know, not great in his own end at times. And Grizzlick really was exposed, again, playing more minutes like I thought. 
when he was, when his role increased, I thought I was, I was afraid that he would be exposed to someone and he was at times. So, you know, at this point, are they getting, are they looking to get Lozon back? And is this the decor they're going with? And you mentioned the lack of depth, Clifton on right side, and then a lot of hell, hell of a lot less after that. So what are they, what are they going to do in defense? You know, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of address it. You know, I, I could see them kicking the tires on Lozon. However, I feel like as you've seen with multiple teams that have tried, you know, doing dealings with uh, Seattle, I don't know what really the plan is out in Seattle right now. Like I'm trying to map out what, the, what they're looking at, but uh, Ron Francis has to start bringing these asking prices down because I think everyone was shocked after the expansion draft where there was no side deals struck because, you know, teams weren't really willing to meet the price. I think, you know, he was asking for a first round pick on top of anyone to dictate, you know, who not to take out of exposed players. So, um, you know, if Lozon's available for a draft pick, you know, are you going to trade a first round pick to get Lozon back? No, I don't think so. Right. Uh, Or a second round pick even, but you kind of look at the way the team is set up and it's a tough situation because you went into the off season. Granted, I think one thing that kind of didn't work in the Bruins favor is that the, the defenseman market really kind of got, nutty right away, right? I mean, you had Alexia got scooped up, you know, Ryan Suter, who's getting paid by Minnesota, still is taking money over a winning team, but whatever. So you lost out on that where the guy, he was chasing, you know, a longer term contract. And then, you know, Martinez stuck with Vegas. All of a sudden you're full of free agency even opens up. You're either out on Suter or you've got guys that, you know, would fit the bill in terms of either being more offensively gifted or bigger bodies like an Alexiak already off the market. So I agree that I think Mike Riley's a good player. I think, you know, he, he deserved to get a nice pay bump this year. I didn't know if the Bruins were going to be the ones that were going to give it to him because I would imagine they would have like to, you know, I think you can have Matt Grizzlick as like, you know, your one puck moving guy, but when you have two guys on the left side and Grizzlick and Rally on the same, you know, decor, then it gets a little dicey, right? Then you either have to hope that Kahlo takes another, you know, big step forward, McAvoy takes another big step forward, or you offset it with more size. So it's going to be tough to see how they kind of map out that situation because even, you know, bigger bodied guys that are just depth pieces are going off the board, right? Like I would have loved for them to sign Yanni Hockenpah as a third pairing guy right shot guy hits everything that moves you know Dallas ended up getting him so I think at this point barring a, a big trade for you know an at home which I don't think Nashville wants to move him now especially if they moved Ryan Ellis we're kind of stuck in a situation where I don't know if Riley was like plan C but it sure seems like they identified you know getting bigger on that blue line but you look at the way the market is whether it be free agency or the trade market I mean as soon as Rasmus Ristolainen went went for a freaking first round pick I was like this market's shot to shit like the, the, you know you, you can't you know realistically you get an actual impact guy if a guy like Ristolainen who I don't know I don't know how you polish you know a turd in terms of what he brings to the team right like I'm that was still shocking when that happened so maybe it's something they revisit at the deadline because you know maybe then Ekholm or you know a, Lam- a Hampus Lindholm or a guy like that could be available but right now is it the worst thing in the world to have Riley there it's not no I think he's a good player just how is he how is the overall construction that decor, I think, is maybe where you're going to ask some question marks. Yeah, and the, the one thing I wanted to sort of end on was the Trent Frederick thing. And Twitter is a, you know, is a mic. Of course, Bruins fans are sort of Neanderthal fans. <laughs> and, and a lot of them get back into the old, you know, we got to hit him, we got to fight him, we got to, and that's not, the, that's not the league. I think the problem was, is that their bottom six, you know, just w- didn't win a lot of puck battles. Just, you know, they, Tampa Bay is much better on the bottom six. You know, they, they are, other teams have been heavier, the Blues and so forth. I don't think you have to go out and fight guys. You know, Trent Frederick is in 59 career games has one assist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could put me on a chair in front of the goaltender, 
and knock it off me. And I'd get, you know, five goals and maybe six assists. Like that's, that's absurd to me. And the same fans are clamoring about how they don't have secondary scoring. So how do you put a guy out there who gives you nothing? He has five points Mm -hmm. in his, in his career. So how do you, how do you put a guy out there that gives you nothing and then bitch and moan that they don't have secondary scoring scoring throughout the lineup. But the Frederick is the one guy and I know he's a fan favorite and I know he drops the gloves. And I know the other guys haven't. And I get that. And there were some times where they could use it, but over the course of 82 games and in the playoffs, you're not winning with Trent Frederick in any type of capacity full-time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where they've identified with him that, you know, it's, they, they love the fact that he sticks up for a teammate. They love that he plays physical. But I think you even started as the year went on last year that teams and uh, opponents get the book out on you. And if they know, you know, Trent Frederick, he's going to try to get under your skin and annoy the bejesus out of you. Ignore it. Then he's not really going to do much else. Right. So mm-hmm. it's one of those situations where I think the Bruins have mapped out from that. He needs to be more active in the offensive zone needs to, you know, it's one thing to go around and, you know, piss people off, but maybe use some of that aggression and, you know, lay some welts on the floor check, you know, turn pucks over, recover pucks, you know, generate grade A looks because if a team isn't noticing you because, you know, they know they're not going to drop the gloves with you, they'll notice if you start scoring goals. They'll notice if you're winning pucks on the floor check, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it would seem like it's a simple kind of progression or something that you can take from it, but it's what they need from them. And it seems like going into this year, they hope that he's going to be a fourth line regular. Don Swinney already said that they hope to have him at the 4C going into the year. So maybe that's a situation where he's back at his natural spot at center where maybe, you know, he sees the ice better or, you know, he's just more comfortable in that role. But as you said, I think going into the C, you can't have him be a four C and then you look at the end of the year and it's 82 games, hundred penalty minutes, uh, four goals and three assists. Like you can't, you can't have that. Right. Like, it, and again, we're not asking for, you know, a, a, a guy yeah. who becomes a, a, a Barclay Goudreau or even something like that. But if it's 10 goals and 20, 20 points, Right. That's that's what you need out of that role. You, you right. can be an agitator, but you also, as you've seen with uh, the Islanders' fourth line or or Tampa Bay's, like I think as much as people hocking on the fact that you need you know big bodies back there, you need guys that can do a bit of both. Like Blake Coleman's not this big hulking dude, but like guy throws his weight around on the forecheck and he can also score some goals. Same with Goudreau. So that's what you need right now is you know you have to hop on that. The fact that you can be a pest, but you know you can't go around and and only do that and think it's going to really move the needle when you're being put into such a crucial role here. I think part of the problem yeah, with, with Frederick yeah, is that it. is that he he's not a very good skater. So getting in on the forecheck is harder for him and catching up to the D and being able to skate to make those hits is is difficult. So hopefully he improves the skating and, and can give him something on the on the fourth line. Yeah, do you see Connor Chukaras uh, playing another game for the Bruins? I mean, I know there could be an injury. Just you know, maybe Elmark gets hurt, mm-hmm. and it's time for for Ras to come back. And they in a long term IR. Elmark have enough money to slip Rask in there. Who knows? But I mean, as constituted, I mean, is Rask even coming back? They have a million dollars in cap space. There's just not a lot of room there. They just invested in Elmark. They have Swayman. Um, so I don't know. Is 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 Rask done? Yeah, I give it maybe a, a 35, 40% chance that he's back. And I think it's only a, a feasible, you know, realistic scenario if 
guys are stumbling in front of them. And even then it's, you know, do you have to move around the cap? Do you have to, and I think the Bruins are in a better situation than, you know, most teams, you know, when you're, you map out this scenario, right. Of your franchise goalie is going to be out for the whole year. He could be done. You're in this win now window. A lot of teams would be like, all right, well, window shut now we're screwed. They at least have options, which I think is at this point, considering how unpredictable goaltending is, that's all you really can hope for at this point of the season and in the offseason while you're waiting for the year to start is options. And they've got a guy in Olmark who they seem to be very, very high on. Obviously, Swayman really impressed. So maybe it's a scenario where, you know, Olmark runs with it or Swayman continues this unconscious run he's been on for a year now and you don't have to worry about it. But if one of them do stumble, then at least maybe you have a guy in Rask who, if he's healthy, isn't a bad guy to just bring on board, right? Like, you know, we could have a situation come January, February where Rask is healthy and Bruins fans who, you know, are sick and tired of Tuka Rask will be clamoring for him to be back because Olmark's got a 903 save percentage and Swayman's up and down. At the very least, at least they kind of have their bases covered in the fact that they've got two intriguing, if not good options in net right now with Omak and Swayman. And you have this kind of ace in the hole with Rask, who it's going to depend on how healthy he is because these hip injuries can be very tricky. But if that scenario maps out where he's back, then you have a guy that for the stretch run of playoffs, not a, not a bad guy to have in the fold, you know, if, if he helps out there. But I think you look at it right now, I think the, the fact that they spent that term on a guy like Omak, who again, hasn't set the world on fire in Buffalo, but you kind of map out the, the numbers he put together on that Buffalo team. And maybe it, it leads to, you know, a 917 save percentage with Buffalo is a 925 with an actual defense in front of him, right? So they're, they're excited to see what he can bring. And if Rask is the fallback option, it's a pretty good fallback option to have. But in terms of whether it's a scenario where they're going into the year of like, all right, we've got these two guys and Rask is going to be all good to go in February. I think it's going to be assessing the situation as it goes along and kind of seeing where they're at in January. Because if one of those guys are struggling, then it goes from 35, 40 to maybe 60, 65. And all I think depends also on just how healthy Rask is. If he's not along in his rehab process, then it doesn't become a, a, a factor weighing the decision anyway. All right, Connor Ryan, it's always good to have you on, buddy. And we'll have you on when the Bruins acquire Jack Eichel in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. I'm already talking to Evan about it all the time. So as much as yeah. it drove me crazy that the Eichel rumors were not going to go away this year, then all of a sudden Krejci leaves, which is also very funny that David Krejci leaves and the same day his his agents, Eichel's agents, dropped that thing condemning the Sabres. It's funny how that right. works it out that very way. Timely. Yeah. So. And, I know, and I know you would probably have soft spot for Eichel, so. Uh, totally unbiased. Sure Absolutely. Totally <laughs> right. unbiased, of course. Yeah. That's right. Well, all right, brother. Thanks so much. Absol- Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks again to our buddies Ryan Spagnoli and Connor Ryan. Always good to us. Always willing to come on. And they give us some great info. I like those guys because they really, I mean, they're like Connor Ryan was at development camp. Spags was at Patriots camp. Like, they're right there. They get all sorts of great information. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're better than the so-called big guys. You know, so I think they're better. I think they're better than because them. Like they really grind and, and they do. get the info. They do. They're know? better. I think they're better. They're better at their jobs. Than I think. Some, I some think of the, they have passion for it. Some of the national guys. And I, some I of the, totally agree. Some of the big guys. Totally agree. Uh, and it's always good to have them on, and we will have them on coming on down the road. Mm-hmm. All right, it is time now for a love advice with Maddie and Smitty. Come on. So here's one. If I'm kinky, will my boyfriend still respect me? 
So in this one, I'm kind of kinky in bed, but also in a new relationship. I sometimes worry that if I get too dirty, my guy won't respect me or think I'm too hoary. I don't want to drift into sexual object territory. I feel like he likes it, but then is a little shy after. I'm worried I'm scaring him. Advice? Okay, first of all, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> nope. Nope. Don't nope. worry about it. No, don't worry about it at all. Uh, nope. I think I think he'll uh, he'll enjoy the kink. He'll get behind I think it. So, so to speak. So yeah. yeah. I, so I, I I I agree. Here's the thing about it is first, if you really like someone, I don't think you're not going to respect them because of it. I, really, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Like if you really like them, right. like if it's a, if it's kind of like a physical attraction and you're kind of like not really invested in it, then you may be like, okay, like Jesus, this girl's kind of wacky, wacky tobacco. But I think that if you really like someone, I don't think and you're really like committed and invested with them then I don't think that's a problem. And as long as the two of you are okay with some of the things happening, like, I don't know how kinky, wait, you know, here's the other thing. You, like your, your meaning of kinky and someone else's meaning of kinky could be two different things. Absolutely. 100%. So there's the other thing. Like yeah. if she's kinky, like put your feet on me or whatever. Okay. You know, well, but so if she's kinky, like, you know, hit me with this, you know, hog. <laughs> Hit me with this bacon strip, then yeah, that's. A I mean, different. so basically, what it comes down to is communication. It it is. So if you want to do some kinky shit, yeah, just tell the guy, right? Hey, this is what I'm into, right? I, you know, you can't surprise him with a thumb up his ass. Like no. that's not the way no, no, it no, works. No, 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 no. So don't you know, ever do that. So you it, like if if that's something that he that you're into. Right. You have to talk to him right. about you it. Have to. You can't just shove your thumb up his ass. No, you can't. No. So it, it, it comes wanna, down to if you want to see someone square <laughs> like a pig, <laughs> do that. It comes down to communication. Like right. if you like, if there's some stuff that you're into, you right. have to talk about it. With right. Him. If it's role play, if it's again kinky, is like if it's like some of the kinky stuff, like is like out of bounds, like blood activity, like weird stuff. That's super kinky. So I don't know what. Again, you'd have to sort of quantify kinky. Yeah, what her what version is. is and his, his yeah. could be different. Right. You know, what mine is and yours is could be different. Right. And the other thing about being shy, being shy could be just one of these. First of all, when you're done with the activities, like there's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's like a, a sleepiness coming <laughs> off the, yeah, coming off the cliff type of thing. Like there's a, there's a, you know, things are, Sort of settling your, down. Your, your adrenaline is yeah. It's it's, know, it's 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 yeah yeah yeah. It's dropping mean, it's, rapidly. Right. You testosterone. Is right. Right. Gone. Gone. So now you're sort of just like oh okay yeah. like so it, it's a shyness little, may not be it's a, the, the it's word. A, it's a release. It's a release. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it depends on the kinkiness, and I think, like you said, you could try things and see. Yeah, you need to talk about it. You have well. to have that conversation, though. I believe, like. Yes. Early on, like, okay. Especially if it means a lot to you. Like, if you if you need someone who's going to be okay with your kinkiness, then you have to say it. Yeah. Right away. If it's something like, boy, it'd be nice if we could do this stuff, then right. that might be a little different. Maybe you can just hold off and... Yeah, maybe and, maybe that's not something you do on the th on the third date, <laughs> right? And right. and and then the the other thing is is you know I think guys say all the time that they want you know a woman in the streets, but if 
a freak in the a freak, sheets. Freak in the sheets. Yeah, cl- classy girl in the sheet. What is it? Streets like a a nice girl in the streets, but a woman freak in, in the sheets. Woman in the streets. Yeah, woman f- in the streets. Freak, freak in, the, in sheets. the sheets. Right. Yeah. So they want that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think most guys want that, but again. And it's it, not, and it's not necessarily kinky. They just want someone who enjoys sex and is right. into sex, and is all. sort of like, just kind of open to open. Yeah, lets yes. himself kind of go, and right. there's no real like, eh, you know, yeah. don't, you know, it's not. And I think as we get older, I think you find more and more of that. When we're younger, I think we worry about what other people think and the stereotypes right. and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think as we get older, yeah, you know, it might be a little different. But it's I all think, about the pleasure, right? But again, don't just shove your big toe in my ass and think it's, you know, open season. <laughs> like, tell me that's going to happen. My ass is closed. Yeah, tell me that's going to happen. You got like a long toenail. It's, that's, uh, yeah, it's not, doesn't feel too good. So, there you have it. So, there's a, there's a love advice. I don't even know if we gave advice. I don't know, we did. We said that, you know, you need to communicate like anything else. You need to yeah. communicate. This is, this is what I want. This is what's important to me. And if it either it matches or you compromise in some way, or you determine determine that this guy's too vanilla and I'm I'm out, I'm out five thousand, and that's actually that's a good little uh, segue to we're out five thousand right now. So that's the end of uh, season two, episode thirty. We'll be back again next week with a guest or two that should knock your socks off, and some more love advice maybe. What the hell, you know. Shout out to Paul, a buddy who wanted the love advice. He was missing it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, it so, so now he now knows. now he doesn't want it again. Yeah. I think. Now he knows all about the kink. Yeah, all about the kink. Yeah. Um, so there it goes. So we will be back again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Bye.